Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel and this is the show where we get to talk about sports, we get to talk about business, and we get to talk about everything in between today. Incredible guest, I have Jeff Spring. He is the CEO and tour director of the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Jeff, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Michael. How are you? Buddy, the pleasure is all mine. I'm on top of the world. This is my favorite thing I get to do, so I appreciate you giving me a couple minutes of your time, and I appreciate everybody out there listening. Gives me a reason to get up every morning, right? We're we're stoked to be on talking about disc golf. Uh, Love the podcast. Hell yeah, man. I appreciate the heck out of that. So, Jeff, we're going to get into disc golf. We're going to get into what does the CEO and tour director do of the disc golf tour? We're going to get into all of it, but the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Why do uh, I grew up as a sports fan? Uh, actually, my mom was a bigger sports fan than my dad. I'm from Vermont, which is in the Northeast. So you would think, you know, maybe New England sports teams, but she was from New York and uh, raised me a uh, New York Giants and New York Yankees fan. Right, uh, me, sorry. One, one or two, man. I'm a Giants too. So one or two. I'll right, take it. I'll take it. I can't yeah, name I, you really. You know, either. I don't know what the split is. Um, when you're a Giants fan, do you know, like, what's the percentage of Yankees? What's the percentage of Oh, Mets it's it's, it's got to be like 70. Like, if you're a Yankees fan, 70% Giants, like maybe 30% Jets. Because right. you either yeah. like happiness, so you're a Giants and a Yankees fan, or you're a maximist. <laughs> right. And you're a Mets and Jets fan. Thankfully, right. I got one of each. I don't know how one it happened, each. but okay. it did. But uh, yeah, I was interested in those percentage splits. But yeah, my uh, my mom was from Albany. Uh, my grandfather, uh, big Giants fan, and so uh, that got me going. Also, my best friend across the street. We we just grew up, you know, playing in the neighborhood. You know, picking up uh, the football, the frisbee. Um, you know, playing wiffle ball and then, you know, organized sports as a kid. Um, I played soccer in college uh, at Northeastern University and all through high school and um, actually played played golf competitively in high school um, and then kind of, yeah, all the eggs in the soccer basket. But a uh, huge, huge sports fan. Uh, I, I guess I just I just love uh, the memories of, of just being exhausted and sweaty and grass covered as a, as a kid, you know, coming in from you know, neighborhood, uh, you know, whatever the sport was that day uh, for dinner. And yep. that's probably the most iconic memory for me. I love that, man. Sometimes it was just rolling down a hill too, right? right. When you were that young, it didn't really matter what the sport was. We're going to race. We're going to figure it out. We're going to have a good time with it. So, <laughs> exactly. No, hundred percent, man. I love that. Obviously grew up playing sports as well. And I think it's really important, right? Got to get kids out there. What's the thing they do? They just play video games all the time. So hopefully we can give them a new sport to play or bring their attention to a new sport that they can play. Sport's been around for a little while now, and I am excited to just learn more about disc golf. Now, it's actually really funny. You and I were chatting a little bit beforehand. I was supposed to have you on the day that that clip went absolutely ballistically viral. Yeah. So if you didn't see it yet, make just search it. I'm sure if you just search disc golf, you'll figure it out. This guy, we'll get to it a little bit later. This guy makes an incredible shot. Anybody on planet Earth has ever thrown a Frisbee, I'm sure you'll find it absolutely fantastic. So I just thought that was funny. I almost almost had you, man. I almost had you. But I get it. Scott Van Pelt, he's a little bit more important. We're going to get to that a little bit later, too. But I guess just explain. I mean, the word golf is in it, so it can't be too far off. But what exactly is disc golf? And how can someone like myself just say, like, hey, I want to go play? Like, I know where my local golf course is. I don't think I know where my local disc golf course is, though. Absolutely. So disc golf is uh, one of the most accessible sports and one of the cheapest sports to play mm-hmm. in the country. There's actually disc golf courses all around you, no matter where you're listening from, as as well as all around you, Michael. Um, and the way you find those courses is going to one of our partners apps, Udisc, and uh, just search. There's a map function 
and and you'll be able to see all the courses around you. A lot of them are free. The advent of pay to play disc golf courses is growing. Um, we're not at like the country club status um, for many courses, like but disc golf country club <laughs> sounds awesome. Yeah. Sign me up. Once we get that at, hopefully I'm making enough money by them. Sign right. me up for that. That sounds fantastic. And, and honestly, it's getting there. Like the shift in uh, maybe demographics and trends throughout the country away from maybe the $10,000 country club membership. A lot of those folks are picking up disc golf and finding their local course. And a lot more of the courses now have, you know, food and drink. You can get your IPA there after you've done your rounds and hang out with the boys. There's clubs, there's leagues. Um, hang out with the kids, hang out with the girls. Like it's very, uh, friendly for, you know, young, old, um, any, any gender, you know, it's very accessible. And, uh, it's basically getting back to your original question, very much like golf, instead of, uh, hitting a ball with a club, you're throwing a disc with your arm and a little different than the traditional Frisbee. Frisbees are great for catch. They're a little wider and they float really nicely. Um, discs are just a smaller circumference by about um, two thirds smaller, I would say about the same weight. They're all between 150 grams and 175 grams. Um, but just like golf, you have putters um, in disc golf, you have mid range fairway drivers and drivers. So like your set of irons, um, you're going to have a bag full of discs. Now, when you start, you can start with just like a putter or mid range or even a Frisbee and go out and play these free courses. So it, again, very easy to get into, very few barriers. If you find a local course, grab a disc and go, grab your Frisbee and go. Um, eight bucks for a disc, very easy to, to get involved. But as you progress, then you start having all the, the different mid-ranges and fairway drivers and drivers that can go up to our, our pros on tour, throw them 550, 600 feet accurately, um, and they can shape the shot. So you're turning left to right, you're turning right to left, and then um, some you know some shots you can turn left to right and then have it fade back like an S turn. So mm -hmm. it's a, a beautiful sport. A lot of people are uh, brought into it because they love watching the flight of a disc through the air. It's a little different than a ball, right? So mm -hmm. when you hit the ball, you know obviously you can fade it, you can hook it, you can duck hook it. Hopefully not. But, um, you know, on on the disc uh, side of things, they just get up there and they float and they go forever. Um, and with the, the professional golf discs, um, they're just a lot more accurate than a traditional Frisbee. So uh, tees, fairways, greens, pars threes, pars four, par fives. And um, you can go from there. But uh, bunkers. Are there any yeah. sand traps? You know, they're, they're starting to be because nice. a lot of the traditionally the sand trap in golf would be uh in disc golf would be a bush you know that you have to play that around because yeah, we're, we're through yeah. the air so like uh -huh. the footing doesn't matter and that's what brings a lot more um of the affordability to it because you don't have to put a lot of money into maintaining the ground um you know you you cut carve out a fairway from the woods um and it's kind of like a light hike it's a little bit more environmentally friendly you're out in nature a little bit more um and there's less pretentiousness there's less you know deal like with tea times or dress code um at the pro level you know we're, we're starting to to get there a little bit more but um for the casual fan they can get out there um casual player get out there and enjoy it in a in a pretty casual setting so. and where's like where's the history come from because like it makes sense right and, and actually like how like the holes explain that because uh, um 
I, there's a couple podcasts that I listen to and they kind of like not poke fun at it, but they actually had somebody on. I can't remember who they had on. They're just calling it banging chains, right? Like, is that like a slang right. term that I've heard? Cause that one makes me laugh. Like yeah. how, how does the whole work? And like, you're obviously not putting it into a hole, right? Um, it's a, it's a pole hole. So it's an elevated basket and what you call it in disc golf is a basket. And um, yeah, there's certainly like a, a rich history. It kind of came out of the, counterculture of the 60s with the frisbee and then flying disc sports and it's evolved to where we are now but along the way um there was basically targets um that were objects to start but then a guy named ed hedrick uh known known as steady ed um founded the disc golf association this is in the 70s and um created the uh the disc golf basket and so that's kind of the real origin of the sport and it, he called it a pole hole at first, um, but he, he was like, hey, this is a lot like golf, but we want it elevated a little, a little bigger and then on a on a, on a pole. And um, so there's a, the, basically a, a, the top has chains hanging down. And so the chains are there in order to basically stop the disc's momentum and have it fall into the hole. And as long as it's suspended in the chains or in the basket, it, it counts as holding out, just like you're making a putt in golf. And um, since then, that equipment has elevated. And now at the pro level, there's certain targets that are approved for championship use. Um, but there's a lot of manufacturers out there and there's like, you know, 20 different types of disc golf baskets. And the top level ones are, are pretty heavy duty and uh, have you know, pretty heavy duty chain gauge and, uh, and work pretty reliably, but it is a hot topic at the professional level, which ones are approved, how consistent do they catch? Do they spit your disc out? Do you have cut through? So it's, it's a whole element to the sport. Yeah. And obviously you keep bringing up the professional level because again, Jeff Spring, CEO and tour director of the disc <laughs> yeah. golf pro tour. I promise you we'll get there. I'm just trying to wrap my hand around uh, head around the sport a little bit more. And sure. I guess with, um, especially over the last, let's call it 18 months, heard some stuff was going on planet earth people yeah. were more comfortable outside maybe in bigger spaces was this something that you saw over the last i guess pandemic um that people are starting to the, the sports because it's so accessible as you said because it's a a nice way to get outside uh you know i always let what's the mark twain quote uh golf's a long walk spoiled i 100 percent agree with that i'd rather just drink yeah. beer and drive a golf cart like with with like a, a a like have you seen the sport grow especially from that more like casual just like hey you guys want to go do something it's a tuesday we all are unemployed surprise you want to go do like have you seen that from um i guess from where you sit uh, up high in the in the sport uh, yeah absolutely it's it's skyrocketed and this is for a sport that's already like very quickly growing all the trends kind of you could average them out to like 15 percent growth year after year for the last wow. like 12, 15 years. So it's substantial. And so everybody's like, oh, wow, look at this year, this year, this year. And then all of a sudden, boom, it it went two and a half times bigger. So like 250% growth rate over the pandemic um, for all the reasons that you can imagine, you know, outdoor sporting, uh, good stores, other sports, golf itself, all, you know, skyrocketed. But, but disc golf, I think, may be in another echelon in terms of growth rate during the pandemic because of the affordability, the, you know, accessibility, the casual nature of it. And um, definitely the disc manufacturers, which are great partners of the tour, you know, they give us good insight, but they, they still can't keep up with, they can't make enough discs for the, the people in the United States that want to buy them. So they're constantly out there. They're they've doubled capacity and they're still selling through their products. And that's just a barometer for, 
you know, what you've mentioned, there's just incredible growth rate. And, um, you know, I think that story is, is probably similar to like, you know, like I said, several industries, but um, I mean, I can't quantify it exactly, but all I could say is I, I would say it's probably between two and three times bigger, more people playing and all of our partners, whether it's Udisc, that app that logs score, you know, logs scores at courses or the manufacturers or just, you know, the people watching um, it's, it's yeah. Two and a half times bigger. I'd say. That is incredible. And that that's like, I like taking negatives and turning them into positives when possible. And I think that's a really good thing, obviously for the sport, but I, like just for people, man, get outside stuff. Like yeah. what, I don't get what it, why it took, you know, uh, you know, a pandemic for people to be like, you know, I kind of want to go play tennis. Like, right. what were you doing the whole time? Like, just go yeah. play tennis. It's not that hard. And as you said, it's so accessible. And I feel like disc golf is one of those things too. Like, yeah, maybe you don't have a pole in your backyard, but you could aim at shit, right? Like, you could kind of like walk around and be like, all right, you got to get around. And I feel like you can kind of have that little like, um, uh, like ambiguous, ambiguous. That's not a word, Jeff. I don't even know what that <laughs> means. But like, kind of like a you know a makeshift game or something like in your backyard. You got some obstacles move some stuff around and just play. Right. So I think that's a for sure. pretty important thing. A basket definitely takes people's enjoyment Probably to the helps, next level. Yeah. Cause they're actually like able to putt and practice in their backyard, but that's easy enough. I mean, baskets sell for a hundred, 125 bucks and that those sales skyrocketed. But to your point, I mean, prospect park in Brooklyn had a object course still does. I mean, for like 10 years. So like if I was down in the city, like I have played that course and it's just like, different markings on the trees, different spots on the ground. And that's kind of the beauty of disc golf is that at the grassroots level and still even at the casual level, you know, you can have uh, a disc golf course be three holes in a small local park and it's still a fun game. You know, it's like start here and here's your object. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of compelling no matter where you put it. There's urban courses um, down like, you know, like they like close down city blocks, like for parades or something like Mm -hmm. they, I've heard of that in, uh, in cities where they, you know, you can play down the, down the street. That's awesome. Man. And I guess uh, last question before we kind of move on to what you're doing a little bit more, like what is, what is a game like an 18 hole game? Was that like, that's one thing about golf too. That sucks. It's like four and a half hours. Like, I don't feel like doing that. Right. Like, maybe do nine and still hate like the half of nine. Like what is what, like, as you said, it's very casual. You can probably just walk off whenever you want, but what's like a, I know it's subjective, but what's like a normal 18 hole game look like? Yeah, I've got good news for you there. Um, probably about half the time of like a golf round. So obviously competition. Of course, yeah. Up, but like if you're just going to an 18-hole course play, like I usually average 90 minutes to, you know, two, two and a half hours to get through like a round if I'm just playing with a couple buddies um, and moving Depends on how it, many so. beer, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. Usually. Well, Morning rounds are quicker than of course rounds. So <laughs> <Makes sense. laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure. I'm sure. That's awesome, man. So I guess like it, you're very clearly uh, one of my favorite things is to talk to people who are passionate about literally anything, and you're very clearly passionate about the sport. It comes through. I appreciate sure. you being on and explaining everything to me again from that novice level. But I gotta ask, like, I like baseball. I'm not the you know commissioner of the MLB. Like that would be cool, dream job kind of shit. But like, how do you become and why did you become the CEO tour director of uh, this kind of not makeshift, but like this up and coming league, what made you want to do that? Yeah. My, my story in disc golf, um, has really rapidly ascended over the past decade. Um, I got first introduced to the sport in 2008. Um, and, from there, you know, I became a member of my local club. I started designing courses. Um, and then I, I kind of planted my, my flag in the professional game when I designed a course at Smugglers Notch Resort in Vermont. 
um, that quickly became two courses, quickly became one of the top level um, disc golf facilities in the world. And uh, we started hosting one of the best events in the world. Um, so just to rewind, you know, I, I grew up actually as a camp counselor. Um, and that was my first job. I was 16 at overnight camp. I uh, went there as a kid, um, always taught kids, you know, how to throw the Frisbee, uh, enjoyed, enjoyed it. Um, and as we were kind of chatting before, always a big sports fan, you know, I, I played competitive sports throughout my, my childhood, played uh, college soccer at Northeastern, and then kind of was looking to scratch that, um, that, that itch after college, you know, like what is next in terms of competition for me? Because, you know, I played like it's you know, not everybody goes and plays college sports and I'm, I was a competitive person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my buddy that I, you know, basically went to camp with, he was one of the counselors there with me. We became like program directors, helped run the camp. He knew that I, uh, you know, love teaching kids, you know, how to throw the Frisbee, you know, dabble a little in ultimate Frisbee. He said, you got to check out this game. Um, and he took me to the first disc golf course I went to at Waterbury Center in Vermont, um, free public access. And I just instantly knew that this was like pulling together, you know, my love of competitive golf mm-hmm. from you know, I played competitive golf in high school. Um, you know, just the love of throwing a Frisbee. Um, and yeah, I was hooked immediately, um, started competing, uh, actually played on the Vermont uh, pro, you know, the pro division in the Vermont mm-hmm. tour, because every state has a tour and then there's regional tours and stuff. Um, and, and found some success there. Actually, uh, no big deal. Two-time Vermont state champion. Uh, you're no, talking to I, you probably should have started that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't have that in the intro, man. That one's on me. My bad. <laughs> no, all good. Um, and, and then, like I said, I kind of, um, found a way to integrate it into my, my job at Smuggler's Notch Resort. I was the director of the ski and ride school. We t- teach people how to ski and snowboard, had about 300 instructors under me. And then we kind of was figuring out what to do in the summer, got in there because of the summer camp connection, but, you know, developed a mountain bike program and then developed this disc golf program, took off, um, joined the pro tour, which was founded in uh, 2016. Um, this was a concept that had been bubbling up through the top levels of the PDGA, which is an organization that uh, you know basically is the governing body of the sport. They make all the rules, all the tech standards, you know, in terms of like the basket um, and, and how that is managed. They manage those type of technical capabilities of mm. the discs, the baskets, the rules. Um, and so there's this, this new idea that, hey, there's so many people, you know, dedicating their life at a professional level. There's world champions. There's a national tour. What can we do to take this to the next level? Um, the pro tour was founded. Our event was on it. Um, and then 2018, I ran the world championship for the professionals. Um, and after that, uh, the tour was kind of recapitalized. And that that's right before the pandemic hit. When it was recapitalized, purchased by our current owner, um, he said, hey, I've seen the success at Smuggler's Notch Resort. I'm going to tap you um, to be the CEO and director of the Disc Golf Pro Tour. And uh, from there, you know, we've seen enormous growth. Uh, we saw the founding of the Disc Golf Network, which is our live streaming platform. And uh, the pandemic just kind of accelerated that. So that's that's the story in a nutshell. Sorry. I for, love it. No, it's a good nutshell, man. This. That's yeah. a good nutshell. I think, I mean, it's so shout out to the current owners. As you said, you, you kind of got tapped, but from your standpoint, uh, obviously seemed like a very smart dude. You went to Northeastern, so we don't have to like, you know, c- you know, pat everybody on the back here, but great job. What, um, 
that seems like a pretty big jump, right? Like going from, you know, hanging out, hanging out, working on a mountain, like really figuring it out. I mean, obviously you understood the sport. You were on the tour a little bit, so you understood it. But were you kind of like, whoa, like, all right, now this is a, I'm, you know, I was doing great in Vermont. <laughs> now let's go completely nationwide. That seems like a pretty big jump. Was that, was that the exciting part for you? Was that something that was kind of a little hesitant or, or did you just kind of say like, I want to do this. I don't care what's going to happen. Let's figure it out when we get there. Yeah, I, I, I can totally appreciate the perspective that, hey, this is a big jump, but there's a couple factors behind the scenes where, you know, this was the right move for me. And, um, you know, at, at the point in time when it was offered, you know, I did I did think about it a little bit because, you know, it's my home state. I love Vermont and um, I, you know, running the ski and ride school there and, and developing mountain bike programs and, you know, even developing the disc golf operation there was it was pretty much like a dream job. But um, I felt like this was my true calling um, oh, yeah. to move forward. I helped um, the founder of the Pro Tour, Steve Dodge, in 2016, get things off the ground and been an advisor for the Pro Tour. I'd spent eight years as a um, state representative for the PDGA. Um, and I'd been to, I think, five world championships. I traveled to Europe for the European championship. I had gone to um, down to the United States Disc Golf Championship for the last eight years. So it seemed like the very mm. highest level of the sport. Okay. And it wasn't until 2014 at the World Championship out in Portland, Oregon, that I really, something clicked for me on the professional side where I said, you know, I'm a huge sports fan. Um, you know, I've, I've grown up in it, you know, obviously a college athlete, um, a business degree from Northeastern um, that was in actually a focus in music industry. So running events, kind of having a lot of people coming out and mm -hmm. organizing large venues. So, you know, there's some stuff that translated there. And then when I saw, you know, 4,000, 5,000 people in attendance at that event in 2014, which was kind of like this very special moment for the sport, um, similar to a couple we've had since then. Um, I said, the potential here is, is incredible. Uh, playing playing golf in, in high school, too, and going to a bunch of PGA events, I saw how this could translate in a way that would be unique, but also mm -hmm. like follow in the footsteps of the PGA Tour. Um, and with our new owner being able to recapitalize and give the tour assets and, and having that like really uh, you know, kind of intimate understanding of the challenges of the previous ownership group of the tour, you know, the pathway was there. And, you know, without that opportunity, I think it would have been hard for me to say, I want to make this leap, but the, but just there's so many connections right in front of me. I said, it, this is it. I can see how to do it. Um, and, you know, kind of the path towards running the world championship in 2018 was, it just kind of all, all connected. And um, those connections were kind of pulling me forward. And so uh, it, it just kind of felt serendipitous. It felt like it was my calling. And, and since then, it's kind of been this wonderful uh, acceleration of, of even, you know, exceeding where I thought we could be right now. That is awesome, man. Kudos and congratulations. That is so Thanks, darn man. cool. As you said, you do what you love every day. So you're not working too yeah, much. So exactly. Good, good for you, Jeff. Good for you. One more time, Jeff Spring, Spring CEO, tour director of the Disc Golf Pro Tour. So I guess like, because it is, I mean, again, as you said, this, I didn't realize sports been around since the seventies and has some like legitimate rules, like a, a governing body and everything. How are you guys the only professional tour? Is there like a competing, like, again, you know, usually with, with, as you said, it's only been around since 2016. So I'm sure you guys weren't the first to come up with this idea or maybe you're not going to be the last, like how, how does the, the, the landscape of professional disc golf look 
in terms of, I guess, just, just the governing bodies themselves before we get down to like the actual player level? Sure. Yeah. So the Professional Disc Golf Association has been around since I, I think around 80. Um, yeah. in 1978, perhaps, is the founding of it. And that's when the first world championship was. Okay. So there's been world champions every year since then until last year when the world championship was canceled um, due to the pandemic. Um, However, it was uh, probably late 80s, early 90s when the professional game really started getting some traction. Um, and we saw Ken Climo, who is basically probably the Bill Russell of, of professional disc golf. Right. Um, he, he's, he's won 12 uh, world championship uh, titles um, and he kind of dominated. He won nine, uh, nine world championships in a row. Um, and the marketability of him kind of just started taking off one of the founding companies of disc golf, um, Innova. So the Innova founder um, is named Dave Dunapace. Uh, he invented the bevel edge disc. So basically, I told you the story about the basket. Mm -hmm. um, in the early 80s, Dave took the Frisbee, which was basically like from a pie plate, really flippy, not very stable flight, um, and started re-engineering it and and starting you know basically to add a beveled edge to the disc that would go further be more stable be more controllable and from there you know now we have dozens of manufacturers that try to you know change the dome of the disc the flight plate the rim um, to make discs do different things and now disc collector market for instance is, is blowing up people buy 500 dollars discs every day um these things are are super collectible and and kind of like the ultimate trading card in some right. ways um that aside um the professional disc golf association kind of created a national tour in the early 2000s that progressed and kind of created uh the first you know line of events where people could go across the country and go to some of these great locations that had fantastic courses and kind of bring the big show to different uh, communities. And that helps seed and inspire people. Um, but as I mentioned, this 15% growth rate is real. Like people find out about it, they love it, they get hooked and it keeps growing slowly. And so that kind of created this opportunity where could there be an organization that was just dedicated to, to like the professional side of the game? Mm -hmm. Because the P PDGA was not just the running the national tour, but they were managing all the amateur events. We're talking about like 4,000, 5,000 events mm -hmm. a year um, and doing all the administration, setting all the rules. They're a nonprofit. They got a board of directors. And so it, that that's kind of like the USGA, I would yep. say, of our sport. Um, and they were really kind of looking for this kind of next step. And it, in 2016, two tours started at once. One was the Disc Golf World Tour and one was the Disc Golf Pro Tour. And um, when the World Tour got going, they were kind of spread out. They did one in Australia. They did one in Europe. They did one in California. Um, and after a couple of years, they kind of wound down their operation and said, hey, maybe we'll be back. But the Pro Tour... Um, kind of stepped up and, and elevated. So currently there's the national tour that the PDGA runs and there are partners um, and we run the pro tour. The pro tour is about three times the amount of events, but there are national tour events still. Mm -hmm. and, and honestly, we're working with them to try to find a merger kind of like ALNL, mm -hmm. right? Or NBA, ABA. At least that's what I like to think. I like <laughs> you know, it. I hate on, it. A, on a different scale. We've so seen the media rights they've been getting. Keep doing your thing, dude. Keep doing <laughs> exactly. your thing. 
Right, right, exactly. So we're we're uh, there. We work very closely with them. I'm very optimistic that we'll be able to kind of merge. And then then if you have me on in a year or two, I'd say, hey, you know, we're the one PGA tour. They're the USGA. They manage some major championships. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, next year in 2022, the majors have kind of been reformed and there's going to be four PDGA majors. And we hope to run about a, a 20 to 25 event um, disc golf pro tour. So the the way it mirrors golf is is kind of starting to kind of shift in in. Mm-hmm. in form in that in that kind of reflection yeah and i think again you obviously golf's in the name so that helps a lot but the more you can mirror something that very clearly is is stable has been stable i don't know how long has the pga been around like 18 blah 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 or something like yeah like yeah if you could if you could kind of just mirror that as much as you can but obviously put your spin put your brand on it and get people to understand it's like don't worry you don't have to wear long pants to play like you can play in flops guys it's not that you big don't deal. you don't it. need your knee-high knickers <laughs> no well, and it's cool. also it's also like people understand the pga tour so yeah, why not exactly. give them something similar yep i that's what before we started talking i was like so are there majors and very clearly there are so i guess like how many how many events are we doing a year and like like the 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 utmost the Jordan Spieth of the world. How many of them like events are there? How many majors are there? Where are they? Do they move? Do you have a masters? Do you think we can go to Augusta one day, throw some poles in the ground? No, I'm kidding. But I guess, yeah. Like how does, how does the professional level work? Are these guys making enough money that like, this is their job and this is what they do at this point. Well, so for that question, absolutely. A lot of questions. Sorry yeah. about that. Uh, I was no, really no, no, no. Yeah. For that last part. Absolutely. Like we have it. Like, I think, Probably one of, and I'm a huge sports fan, and I'm obviously biased, but I'll say it. I, so. uh, I think we have one of the best crops of athletes in terms of marketability, personalities, professionalism, intrigue. You know, like the, these pros that we have, men and women, are incredible athletes, incredible personalities, and incredible people. And the more people get to know them, the more these these folks are becoming celebrities within disc golf. And I think that that's helping drive the growth. Um, Paul McBeth is a five-time world champion. He just signed a $10 million contract with Discraft, uh, which is his manufacturer sponsor. That's so enough. he throws, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he throws all Discraft. So actually, you know, this is a conversation for another time, but I'll set it up. Um, I've been pretty interested to see how sponsorship contracts and earnings, you know, kind of battle each other in disc golf. Because if you think about LeBron James, he gets paid by his team. Nobody's like, oh, how much did he win when he won the NBA finals? Like nobody's thinking about that. Nobody thinks like how much did Patrick Mahomes win when he he wins the Super Bowl? They're like, oh, he gets paid by his team, Mm -hmm. you know, so don't worry about it. But in, in golf, like if you win the Masters, people are interested. Oh, $2 million winnings. Oh, $12 $12 million purse, you know, that kind of stuff is kind of on the individual sports, tennis, golf, mm-hmm. like that's driving the the revenue for the players, at least in terms of conversation. I know they get big sponsorship deals too, but right now, you know, our purses are uh, much smaller compared to that $10 million contract. And I think that's going to set the the high watermark um, that people will be chasing down for a bit. But I think our, our premier athletes, um, are definitely bringing in six figures um, from their sponsorship contracts before mm-hmm. winnings on the tour. Um, the most anyone's ever won on the tour is about $80,000. Um, and I think that's going to be broken pretty soon. Our purses are going up because um, now people are wanting to pay to come spectate the events. 
in large numbers. So like mm -hmm. that's helping drive the the purses up. But um, typically, if you win a disc golf pro tour event, you're getting anywhere between five thousand and twenty thousand um, dollars. And yeah, we we basically have about twenty to twenty five like elite level top top tier events that people go to, but people are touring, you know, there's events every weekend that aren't necessarily like pro tour events, um, thousands of events and they're different, different tiers of PGA events. Um, but majors, let me talk about that. That was Let's part go. of your question. So I'm, again, um, too many questions, but I was so excited. I need to get it all out. No, I mean, I'll, I'll try to be succinct, but, um, you know, I can't get going here, Michael. So you Good. Keep no, me, that's you why gotta... I, I'm excited, man. You're getting me excited. I can't wait to go out and some bangs and chains later. Let's yeah, go. exactly. The bangs and chains for sure. And I think that that was uh bar stools. Yeah. That was cat. part of my yeah. take. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. I, I thought it was hilarious. So, it got me. No, going. it is. Yeah. I mean, I, that's not, that's not uncommon terminology in the sport, especially, you know, at the day-to-day -day level. Mm -hmm. So, um, Majors, though, I mean, basically, I, I feel like next year we're entering the open era of disc golf. So you hear about the open era, Margaret Court, for instance, 25 uh, major championships in tennis and Serena's like trying to track, track her down. But she has some majors before. I think she's won Australia, Australian Opens before anyone outside of Australia was allowed to play. So that's kind of like asterisks. But yeah. now Serena's beaten everybody. Mm -hmm. So she's got to have something else to try to do. Um so basically, uh, we have had years where there's been three majors. We've had years when there's been five. Typically, there's four. But the two that have been you know, there since 1999 are the U.S. Disc Golf Championship. That's always held at Winthrop University. Um, and it's called the USDGC, kind of like the U.S. Open. Mm -hmm. However, it doesn't rotate. So it, it's almost more like the Masters. That's the Masters, yeah. That's the Masters. The USDGC is kind of like the Masters. And then the world championship, that's the biggest title you can win. Uh, maybe not the most prestigious because the USDGC is at this like one location, but the world championship, that's the one where Climo, Ken Climo has got 12. Paul McBeth has got five. You just know players by their five time, their 12 time, their two time. Ricky Wysocki is a two time winner. Paige Pierce on the women's side, five time. Uh, Juliana Corver, five time. Those five times, those are all world championships. So that's the most important title. Um, and that's what your legacy is really built around is those world championships if you're a pro and uh, that rotates. And so it's kind of been, you know, that's the one in Portland in 2014, Smuggler's Notch Resort uh, in 2018. Um, it was in Utah, Ogden, Utah this last year um, where James Conrad got it done in very dramatic fashion. So I love it, man. This is awesome. No, I think it's such a cool Again, the more you can mirror it to a sport that everyone kind of knows and loves already, like the better it becomes, right? And as you said, they're like four day events, like most are three day events. And then you go to these big, it's four days long. We're not messing around. This is legitimate stuff. And I mean, they're long courses. You're having a good time watching. And I just think it is so darn cool. And obviously, you know, you brought up uh, Big Cam, big part of my take fan. I, I, do, I do enjoy listening to that Thank show. You. And they actually, um, only like oh, what, a couple weeks ago, we talked about it a little bit in the beginning. There was this incredible clip on the internet where this guy, I think he 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 hit a birdie, right? And he tied whoever, I, I apologize, I don't remember everyone's name, but the shot is just, it was like 240, 270 yards. It's just this like big swooping shot and it's absolutely incredible. And the whole place goes ballistic. You're not going to see that at a golf event, right? Unless you're on, I've actually been to 16 at the Waste Management. So that okay. was a lot of fun, but that's uh, pretty awesome. It went, everyone went ballistic. It was so much fun. So if you're listening, you haven't seen it, I'll probably put it in the show notes. I'll put a little clip uh, so you can watch it. But 
something like that happens. And as you said, there's been a 250% growth this year alone. What does that do for you, your sport, specifically the Pro Tour? Because I'm sure that is a significant amount of people's first time even hearing like disc golf is a thing. How do you take advantage of something like that and just try and run with that momentum as much as possible? Well, you know, it it was certainly a transcendent moment for the sport. It it may end up being what a lot of people point to towards another big like Mm -hmm. growth moment or turning the corner in terms of like national media attention or getting new fans involved. Uh, I mean, the way we're taking advantage of it, I mean, we're we're building on national media um, debut last year, kind of from the pandemic. Right. So Mm -hmm. from the like we had CBS Sports cover one of ours, um, the Dynamic Discs Open. And then from there, we talked to ESPN2 and covered the Tour Championship. So I think that that kind of helped set the stage because mm-hmm. it was in national media like kind of atmosphere. And then when they see a moment that's so incredible, I mean, this is like holing out from the fairway on mm-hmm. 18 at Augusta yep. to like push a playoff. Um, I mean, th- that was picked up, the reaction, the moment. It was all live on the Disc Golf Network where we, we stream our, our events. Um, and to win the PDGA, Pro World Championship, chip the whole after after pushing to a playoff it, you know i i think that we're trying to take advantage of this by by continuing to get disc golf in front of a national audience um and and tell about how accessible it is you know all the things we've been talking about and and just trying to you know keep that momentum going by you know i think august uh i guess august 4th is our air date for the portland open but that's going to be on espn too and that's going to be available awesome. for anybody that wants to watch it. So um, 8 p.m., uh, yeah, August 4th, I think it's a Wednesday, um, is our next uh, you know big national program. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we're going to have probably have a highlight package, actually, as part of like their Ocho coverage the following weekend. Love which, it, love it, love yeah. it. Yeah, and then uh, the Tour Championship will be on ESPN2 as well. But since that shot, we've definitely got called uh, by a couple other networks that want us to do some recaps and, and create some more media um, so we're, we're doing everything we can to, you know, kind of take advantage of it and keep grinding and, and keep getting the sport out there. Um, and every, every which way, whether it's national media or grassroots, but, um, that said, we do have a great media, uh, plan now. That's kind of like our bread and butter that involves, you know, basically the, the digital media revolution that we're seeing with cutting the cord OTT networks, um, and, and just YouTube. And, uh, a lot of this golf is free to watch now, you know, uh, we have, post-production partners, one Jomez Pro, he's got, um, his media team has over 300,000 subscribers and every video they put out uh, is is basically automatically a uh, quarter million views. Mm-hmm. And so our, our tournaments are, are getting, you know, well over a million views every, every time we have a tournament um, for free. And then a lot of those people are saying, what a moment that was live. Let me go watch the Disc Golf Network live. And and it's kind of like this ladder that you can climb in terms of just being a fan. I think now more than ever, people are becoming fans of the sport without necessarily even playing. Like I'm a huge fan of football. I don't play football ever. And like that has never really been, that's never been a thing for, for disc golf. Mostly like if you're watching, you're a player, but we had multiple people comment and say like, I, I like, you know, friends of friends, you know, that, were watching that live that were saying that was the most compelling like sports moment I've ever seen, like let alone disc golf because of just the, the drama, the moment, you know, um, he, James Conrad, just to, to follow up. I know you kind of set me up that James Conrad threw in from uh, 247 feet um, after kind of, you know, 
failing to put his drive in the fairway. He basically had to chip out and, and he had to throw in to basically force a playoff with the five-time world champ, Paul McBeth, who looked like he was marching for number six. And um, it was a shocking moment. The crowd there exploded. I was like 30 feet from the basket and I was kind of, I was trying to curate the championship moment. I was like, okay, Paul McBeth, six-time world champion. All of a sudden, like uh, you are going to bring out the trophy we're going to let that moment breathe. Uh-huh. We're going to have the camera here, you know, and then you're going to come out, you're going to announce him. You're going to let that breathe. You're going to come out and you're going to do the interview for the, for the live, you know, coverage. And all of a sudden I hear this like murmuring yep. and I turn around and I see a disc fly. I'm like, that looks pretty good. And then poof, it was like an explosion. Yeah. It was, it was cool. Cause you could kind of hear people, as you said, they're like, Oh, well, is that really? Well, no. Oh, 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 And then the crowd just builds and builds and builds. And it's, it's, it's again, it's like a goal. As, as you say, it's the easiest way to put it. It is like, you know, someone hits an incredible fairway shot and you're just like, Oh, that's a good shot. Whoa, it's still rolling. Oh my God. It's still got, and like you could right. hear that in the crowd and everyone got up for it. And it, it was just such a cool moment, man. It was just uh, such know, a cool moment and to I be there for it. That's so cool. I know I would equate it like being a golf fan. I'm, Masters is one of my favorite events it is similar to like Tiger's chip in on yep. 16 that one time when, mm-hmm. you know, he was playing DeMarco down the stretch um and then he wanted in a playoff but like you think is this this isn't actually going to go in you know what i mean but imagine he did that on 18 like out of the out of the bunker out of the fairway or something yeah incredible Incredible i love it man i love it man i I have two more questions for you um one so you've been talking about the disc golf network is this a youtube page that we can all just go to and watch where where can i find this it's not it's our ott subscriber um, uh, website so you can go to discgolfnetwork.com and it's a downloadable app on iOS or Android. Um, it's on Roku, uh, on Xbox. Um, cool. We have, I think, eight platforms where you can download. You can download the app for free. Um, and there is some free content on there. But if you want to watch live, basically, mm-hmm. um, it's a, a monthly or a yearly subscriber fee. Cool. Um, but if you go to our Disc Golf Pro Tour YouTube page, tons of content on there for free. And the yeah. final, final day of every one of our events is actually stream free. So if you want to check out the live for free, go to Disc Golf Pro Tour uh, YouTube page. Very cool. I'll put all those links down there. Um, so with, um, so I work for a betting company. Just recently got hired, and it's a lot of fun. I'm I'm not going to ask a question. I'm just going to say that and kind of see what you have to say against it. Well, um, you know, I think we're we're heading in that direction. We've we've got some um, daily fantasy sites that we're considering okay. uh, bringing cool. on board, and uh, I think that's step one. We are working with the PDGA, who's the governing body, and and right now, um, any you know gambling has to be vetted. Um, so you know, like basically, before we get into the gambling side of things, um, we have to vet like the final steps of our gambling policy for players and make sure that they're is like a, a really nice pipeline for, you know, and, and there's a lot of great examples in sports, mm-hmm. obviously that protect against some of the issues that we've seen in the past with sports betting. Um, so we're, we're taking it slow on that. Um, and I would expect the potential for 2022, um, you know, gambling on disc golf. I, I, I can't really predict it, but you know, there, there may be an opportunity there. Uh, but daily fantasy, I think is, is our, our step. Um, that is and pretty so, cool. Yeah, I think we're we're working on finalizing something, and it, it should be announced in the next week or two. Oh, um, so no way! Congratulations! Yeah. Good uh, shit, man. That's cool. Who are you working with? I work for William Hill Caesars. 
just started a couple months ago and they said i could keep doing this show so i do this for fun because it's my favorite thing i get to do so a lot of cool stuff going on in gambling i can promise you that i mean obviously it's kind of taken over the country um that's also something that came out of the pandemic. I mean, people were doing it obviously forever, but once it became legalized and once everyone was stuck at home and they're like, well, I throw five bucks on the giants to win. I lost, but it was fun. Right. right. So it was <laughs> exactly. one of those things where it's, you know, all these newer sports. I, every time I talk to someone from your position, it's always like, well, you can, you, you will get people to bet on it. I don't care what it is. Right. We're betting on marble racing. Remember that in the beginning of the I pandemic know. when we weren't allowed outside, people were betting on marble racing. They'll clearly bet on anything. Um, so I just will. think it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. And again, if with that four day, I mean, that's one thing I have some good buddies that play a lot of uh, golf DFS and it's, it's that four day sweat. It's that kind of being there the whole time, just kind of hoping who makes the cut, who doesn't that kind of thing. And right. golf is probably my favorite DFS to play because it is just that fun long-term ish, um, opportunity right. that you get with it. Um, yeah, man, Jeff, this has been absolutely fantastic. Sincerely, sincerely appreciate your time. Where can we, uh, follow up? So you gave us a YouTube, you gave us the, the a couple of the apps, you disc one more time, anybody out there that wants to just go check out and see where your local course is, check it out. Um, give me some, what are your socials? What are disc golf socials? Let's, let's talk about some of that stuff. Throw that at me. Yeah. Disc golf pro tour, you know, where that's, that's the one I would say, go follow, you know, in, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, we're dropping a new TikTok uh, account pretty soon. So you can follow us on there as well. Um, but yeah, we've got, um, some media partners, Jomez pro, um, GK pro and gatekeeper that you can go on YouTube and watch all of our content on, um, that do basically next day post-production coverage where you, you can see every shot condensed for free on our YouTube channel as well. You can watch live on, on Sundays, pretty much almost every Sunday you can watch a live, uh, stream of our, of our final rounds. Um, and this Sunday we got the great lakes open here in uh, Michigan should be an exciting one. Um, and then yeah, disc golf network, uh, DGN right here. And, uh, that's, that's a kind of our bread and butter, our live streaming service. We've got nearly 30,000 subscribers now and it's, it seems to be like growing every month. So I love it, man. Well, kudos and congratulations one more time, Jeff spring CEO and tour director of the disc golf pro tour. Appreciate your time today, man. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it, Michael.